This is the Divine Truth Podcast. My name is Patricia Sanders, and we're listening to a seminar called Secrets of the Universe, presented by A.J. Miller in Australia in 2009. This is Part 12. I have another question about souls. Um, when they're joined and before they're... In the unincarnated condition? Unincarnated. Yep. Um, you said something about um, before, like, one soul... Uh, is born and the other one has this urge where do they go before that because they're obviously not in the spirit world because then they'll get contaminated or I don't know uh, can you explain this before process um, there's a it's a state rather than a location for a start that's important to understand that the state that they're in is that they are connected to God as their parent and while they remain unincarnated, they have, um, and this applies even to the half of the soul, remember that really in the end, you know how I draw it, I draw it like here's the, the soul and I draw it like it splits in half like that, right? In reality, and this is going to be difficult perhaps to understand, in reality what's happening is you're always actually joined to your soulmate, right? And and so, when half of the soul incarnates, the other half of the soul is joined to them energetically. So, it's a state of being and not a location of being. And so, they'll be near their soulmate no matter what. So, no matter where you are on the planet, you are actually still joined to your soulmate whether you know it or not. It's about becoming consciously aware emotionally that you are joined as to how it grows. So the truth is that the two halves are really always joined together and can never be separated. They have this, they have the largest law of attraction. But from a physical point of view and emotional point of view, it feels like there's separation. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, that does make sense. Yeah. Um, but they do have to be incarnated on earth. They do have to incarnate into a physical body. The reason why is when you separ- when the soul separates in this way, there are certain senses that it has as a combined soul that when it starts to separate, remember it's still joined, but there's a, there's a feeling of separation. There's a lot of different parts of the soul. You could think of it like sort of connectors, connector points. You know how you can get uh, two things and connect them together and like that one? Like Lego. Sorry? Like Lego. Like Lego, or I would actually picture it almost like an almond. You know how an almond's got two halves? And you split it apart and it's got a nice shiny bit down the centre. But only that almond will go back together with that other side of the almond. You know, you can't put another one that you've just broken up together and they never fit together perfectly. But if you get that one particular almond seed, split it open and pull it back together, you can put it back together perfectly, right? So even though they're open, there's still this connection between the two. They mirror each other in connection. And But... In order to experience themselves, in the case of our soul, they have to be connected to bodies. They have to be connected to a body in the physical realm to experience the physical. And they have to be connected to a body in the spirit realm to to experience the spiritual. And the only time they don't need to be connected to a body is when they're back together again in a complete union, the soul union state. And then they no longer need bodies anymore, although many times they might have hundreds of bodies connected to that point. Right? Which is another story. But 
But, what's ha- so what's happening is they need this body, and you can think of this spirit body, right? So here's a male, spirit body, material body, or the physical body. There's the two bodies. They are connected, these bodies are really just tools through which the soul can gather information. Sensory information and emotional information about its universe. And there is these, I didn't talk about it yesterday, but there's these, there's these connectors. Um, there's a chord that is well known um, in most circles nowadays, it's called the silver chord. In spirit literature, they, it's actually a silver chord, that's why they call it one. But there's this energetic chord that connects the material body to the spirit body. And when you die, that breaks, it separates. And what that means then is that while this cord is connected, you can assimilate emotions and sensory information into your soul. When this cord disconnects, now this body is no longer able to function because it's no longer physically connected to the spirit body or the soul anymore and the spirit body then becomes the primary point of sensory input. So this is why when you go into... Um, anyone had a near-death experience? A few people? Okay, quite a few. When you're in a near-death experience, what's happening is you're almost at the state where now this silver cord is breaking. Right? And so what happens is there's this transfer over of sensory information to your spirit body. And so from now on you're actually receiving most sensory input and most emotional input, even even sight, sound, taste, everything, is coming through your spirit body senses into your soul rather than your physical body senses into your soul. Now, if that cord snaps, you would pass. If the cord doesn't snap, then you can come back into the state. This is exactly also what happens when people go what are called out-of-body or what other people might call um, astral travel and all those kind of things. All that's happening there is the physical body is being left as the primary sensory input and your spirit body is now experiencing the primary sensory input. And in that state you can travel in different means of which you can use move this body. And so you can start experiencing different things in the spirit world. Now, a lot of people experience quite negative things in that state because of different laws of attraction. But some people experience positive things. Sometimes they have spirits with them who will take them up somewhere and show them something. And and as a spirit, you can loan another person energy and loan them love, if you like, for a short period of time to show them something and then drop them back down into their normal state. And so the out-of-body experience even is, is... the difference between sensory inputs coming from the physical to sensory inputs coming from the spirit body. These sensory inputs exist, remember I said yesterday there's a superset of sensory inputs on each capability. So the physical body has a certain limitations. When you go to the spirit world, the spirit body has less limitations. It has a greater capacity for, there's a lot of more sensory information. And the soul itself has even more sensory information, and then there's one half of the soul, but the combined soul is an even greater unit that has even more, and in fact that becomes our greatest unit in terms of having the most possible capabilities. 
And then, if you think of divine love as growing that soul into a big super soul, <laughs> if you like, and so this, this super soul can grow infinitely in sensory information. So that's the capacity, or that's the future for your soul. So you first go through, you can think of it like you're changing states. You're, what you're doing is you're changing states in terms of a part of your learning experience. So the first learning experience is the material body. When you pass, now your learning experience is via the spirit body. When you get to the soul union state, your learning experience is via that body. And who knows what we can learn in that state? That state, to me, is like, I, I sort of feel myself like I'm a baby in that state. I'm a baby there. We're a child sitting in mummy or daddy's arms ready to be really educated. So if you think you're being really educated on earth here when you go to a university or something, trust me, that is just like child's play, shall we call it. And what's happening in this state, is now you have the ability to learn these immense, immensely powerful lessons and also to become the person that God designed you to be. And from what I've seen of God's designs, this particular state can grow infinitely as you receive love from God more and more, that state will grow infinitely. And I also have this feeling that not only is divine love the only thing you can receive from God, but there will be lots of other attributes and qualities in this state that you can receive from God that you can't receive from God in any other state. Does that make sense? So that's sort of the future of your soul, if you like. Yeah, I, I sort of have a little bit more of a question. Far away um, with the question. Okay, so I'm in a body and I have all these amazing possibilities of experiences and everything else. If I die and don't have a child, for example, mm-hmm. that, you know, that the mirror of emotions that I could potentially work through, mm-hmm. if I go into the spirit world and I can't have a baby there, like I can't have a baby, then how do I, you know, the law of attraction of, well, for a start, there are a group of them. If you have a desire, let's say you're a mother, or not being a mother, and there's a desire in you to have a child, and this is like a really burning desire in you to have a child, it's not actually driven by a pure emotion. There is actually a number of different emotional injuries that you need to work your way through. The irony is that when you work your way through them, you will probably automatically have a child after that point. Right? Whether it's through relationship or whatever else. The problem today is a lot of times we interpret something as a burning desire when in reality it's actually based on some severe emotional injuries we have about these particular things. Now that's quite hard to hear if, if, if a man is talking to a group of women about that issue. But Mary has personally experienced that um, herself as she's working her way through some of the injuries she has from her first century life her, desi- her what she thought was a desire to have a child, she's starting to realise was actually an injury, emotional injury to have a child. Once she works through that, ironically, if she still wants to have a child, it will be a pure desire and pure desires are generally auto- always automatically fulfilled. You follow me? Secondly, um, if we pass from, let's say we have a burning desire to have a child and we're a female soul on the earth with burning desire to have a child, but something unforeseen occurs and we pass. So we're now in the spirit world. Right? You cannot have a child in the spirit world. 
So, when I say have a child, I mean give birth to a child in the spirit world. So, what you will happen to you is you'll have to be working your way through that emotion of that feeling of loss and the feeling that of regret about not having a child while you had the opportunity in the, in the, or that you didn't have the opportunity on earth to have a child. However, when you think about it, if you follow God's path of progression, which results in the oneness of the soul and it results in the, the, the process of reincarnation, you could certainly have a child at some point in the future. Does that make sense? But let's look at what really children are, shall we? Let's really look at what children are. What children are is this. Here's God. Here's God's children. Remember, I drew them as little souls, if you like. Here's God's children. Then the child incarnates, created, attached to a body. Whose child is that? It's God's child. And who is that in relation to me if I created this body? That's my brother or sister. See, this one of the biggest problems we have on this planet, and to be frank with you, it causes a, a lot of issues with families, education, all sorts of other issues, is this belief that my child is my child. I'm sorry, the child is not your child. The child is God's child and all you did was create a body for it. That's all you did through your desire to have sex. That's the only thing that happened. It is not your child. Stop thinking you own your children. right? Or can even own your children. Now, this is a very important thing to understand because if I stop owning my children and I start seeing this particular child that I created, God's child that I created bodies for, so all, all I did was create the bodies. In fact, I don't even know how I created the bodies. It was just this sex act thing that occurs that I wanted to do and in that process the bodies were created. But who knows scientifically how that occurred. Most of us have totally clueless about that operation so we can't even say that we even created the bodies really, could we? It was the entire process that God put together to create the bodies that we can enjoy the process of. So these two bodies... I created in a very, very loose way. Right? I didn't create this soul and this soul is not my child. This soul is God's child. In fact, it's half of one of God's child children. Now, what's my focus then as a parent? My focus as a parent stops being, don't you do anything to my child, this is my child, getting my child to make me proud, all that crap goes. Right? Because all we're focused on now is teaching this child about God's love for it. Huh? And as that child learns about God's love for it, it will learn everything else automatically. Huh? And that's how simple it is to bring up a child. Huh? But what do we do? We go down this other road. And by the way, 
in the first century, I didn't go down that road because the time that Mary and I conceived a child together, within a few months I was crucified. So I didn't have that experience. But trust me, in this life I've had the experience now. One of the reasons why we had the experience and chose the experience that we've done is so that I could experience some things that I didn't know about in the first century. And this experience of having children, I've gone down the track for, for the first 12 or 13 years of their life of thinking them as my children, just like probably many of you have. Now I see them in a completely different way. They are just my brother. My, I've got two sons and they are my brothers. And uh, you've seen one of my brothers. And he's pretty close to me. Tristan, would you like to stand up so people who haven't met you? There's my close brother Tristan. So Tristan feels himself also to not be my son anymore. He feels that we're brothers too. Okay? And we both feel like we're children of God. Alright? So, so the beauty of, of understanding it that way means that I'm not ever now going to impose my will upon this child because this child is not mine. I understand that completely. This child is God's child who I can love just like any other child. So I love Tristan the same amount as I love all of you. But we obviously have a special bond because he and I are on the same path spiritually growing towards God, both recognising very, very similar things. And because Tristan is growing very rapidly uh, in terms of this, on this relationship with God, I feel very close to him as a result of that. Because anybody who's growing on the relationship with God, I feel close to. And also because I've known him for a lot of his life and seen the changes that he's made because of the choices that he is making, got nothing to do with me, it's the choices that he is making that is causing him to change. Now, the relationship that I honour with Tristan the most is his relationship with his soulmate. That's the relationship I honour. Because that is the other half of him. And in fact, it is going to be the soulmate relationship that is going to be the only permanent relationship that you will have. And when I say permanent, I don't mean that you won't have relationships with other people that last thousands of years or even hundreds of thousands of years. What I'm saying is that the soulmate relationship is you are both halves of the same entity. So therefore, you are going to at some point recognise that and at some point you'll get to the point where you are combined as one and you will be the one entity. Um, even though you may have two bodies connected. You may even have four bodies connected. Because remember, you, you can be this person on earth. And remember on earth, you at the moment have two bodies. You have a spirit body and a material body. And then your soulmate has a spirit body and material body. So there's two bodies each. So there's four bodies connected to this one entity, the soul. So it doesn't worry about the bodies. We're talking about the soul itself. So... So you will get to the stage where instead of seeing children as yours, you will see them as God's. And so you will also see your role. Your role as their older brother or sister is to help educate them in 
God's love. That's your role. And in fact, God created the universe to assist you to do that. There is just so many things on this planet and in the universe itself that can assist you to tell and educate your children about their connection with God. But the problem is nowadays, we just view it as all like evolution all just popped in the, you know, here by chance and everything and we dismiss that there was ever even a creator of it all and we go down this other track of going all scientific and teaching about evolution and what are we really teaching them in the end? We're teaching them to detune from the fact that they are God's child. And remember I said earlier, how did all of our problems come about? Because the first human couple decided to detune from their relationship with God. And we are reinfecting that choice over and over and over and over and over and over with our children, so-called children, our children, which are not our children, our gods. What happens to um, innocent babies when they die? Do they still have emotions passed on by the mother? And remember I said yesterday that all emotions begin entering you at the time of conception. So any person who passes after the time of conception does have emotions. And, and some of those emotions can be quite dark because they come from your environment and the environment's emotions are often quite dark. But what happens when a child passes is a little different than what happens when, a, when an adult person passes. And I would be happy to describe both processes if you wish. Okay, so this is what will happen when you pass. Let's look at the child first. So let's say the child is an abortion or a miscarriage. So in other words, it actually is passed before it is born. The child is picked up, in this case, by a celestial spirit generally, a spirit who's actually on the divine path, and nursed through until they actually start having cognizance of it, their environment. So the child, which remember is a soul connected to the two bodies, is nursed and also given lots of energy, emotional energy to heal itself. And what happens is it is nursed through the process into the process of cognizance, where it can actually understand its environment, start to understand its environment, just like a baby. In other words, it's nursed to the point of being a baby, if you like. Now, by this stage, which is usually a period of anywhere up to um, the same type of time that it would take on Earth for that process to occur, what happens is the child also can speak generally by this stage in the spirit world. And the child then is allowed to make a lot of choices on its own already. So it it starts making choices. And where it's located is in the first sphere of the spirit world. Remember I said there's all these spheres of the spirit world. The first sphere, the very first one, has thousands and thousands of planes. At the depths of the bottom of the planes is called the hells, which is a very dark, dingy, very terrible environment. At the top of the first sphere is a place called Summerland. And that is like probably the best environment you can conceive of on Earth here is like what Summerland is. With some additions. And the additions are a creation of what we talked about earlier with regard to schooling on education. A creation of environment 
that the child is actually triggered into desiring to have answers. And so the child is actually then at that location after that initial place of, after the initial nursing from, from an angelic spirit. And once the child is in that place, they begin to learn all the different things of the universe. A lot of it's physical, but a lot of it's spiritual and emotional as well. And they're allowed to choose what they deal with. If they have an emotion from their parents still within them, which is unusual by that stage, from if they were pre, if they died before they were born, and they would actually still be nursed through those emotions. So they're nursed through those emotions in a very loving environment. And then they're basically left to have whatever they want, whatever those desires are. And by this stage they usually have a few mates and uh, you know, a few friends and they have their own environment set up and uh, they, they progress quite, quite quickly um, through that state. And then they're given a choice, a choice to follow the natural love path, which is the path of intellectual development, becoming adult-like, all those different things I mentioned yesterday, or the choice to actually follow the divine love path, which is connecting to God and all of that. Now, many of them make, uh, the choices they make depend upon what forces start to control them at this point. Now, if they passed as a, uh, as, as a miscarriage, many times by this stage they will be starting to feel the emotions of the mother who, and father from which they miscarried. And so they will start to feel some of those impressions upon them as pushing them in a certain direction. And so often they might, you know, if the mother or father is into a different path spiritually, they might firstly start to investigate that particular path. But they're giving completely the free will to do whatever they wish at that point. Now let's say the person passes, but they're still a child, but they pass after their birth. They could be just newborn, and if that's that's the case, it'll be a very similar process to what I've just described. If if they're not a newborn, but let's say they're four, five, six years of age, something like that, and they pass from leukaemia or cancer or or some kind of disease or some kind of accident, then what would happen is that they would still have emotions from their environment in them, but those emotions would be a bit stronger. Does that make sense? They'd be more powerful emotions. And so they would often be nursed through a process of releasing those emotions, which, by the way, in the spirit world, for a child of that age, happens very, very rapidly. So within a few months, usually, they're nursed through that entire process. Now they go to summer land and the same process goes off where they're educated, they do what they desire, and the same thing happens. Does that make sense? So passing for children is a breeze. And it's a, it's a very beautiful process for them and they looked after the entire process. The only time when it's not so much of a breeze is if there was an abortion. With an abortion, the child is kept away from its mother who aborted it. And the reason why this is the case is because the emotions in the mother that aborted the child were emotions of rejection of the child. And because those emotions of rejection are very powerful emotions, to be felt on the opposite end as unworthiness, the, the, the child is usually kept from going back to its mother on earth until the mother works through the emotional reasons why they aborted that child. And then the child is often reintroduced to its mother. So that's the only time where it's a bit more difficult for the child because the child itself is getting the emotions of rejection from its parents on earth. 
And what happens is the celestial spirits try very hard to actually stop that emotional projection from entering the child so that, it, so that the child doesn't grow up feeling unworthy. Right? And then I'll just continue the question with regard to an adult. With an adult, if we pass, it's a little different because as an adult, we make free will choices. So when we pass as an adult, oftentimes what's happened is we're healed from the choices that were made by other people that affected us, but we are still going to have a whole group of unhealed emotions about the choices we made. And because of that, we go and are attracted to a location. So when we first pass, we often go into what is sort of, you see it in a lot of spiritual literature, where we pass into a place that's not fantastic, but it's not terrible, and it's just like a place of reception. You could think of it, there are, there are whole hospitals there like that you could conceive of on earth, a bit different in terms of how they look and everything, but they're basically hospitals to help you get through that first part of transition. And particularly if you passed with an injury or a, or a long-term illness like cancer, you would be nursed through that, the body would be repaired from that particular problem. And then what happens, once we get to the state where we feel our own sense of autonomy, in other words we're feeling our own free will to go and do things that we want to do, generally we're shown a mirror. And by this stage generally we probably don't want to even look in the mirror because we start seeing other people where we've gone to and we start seeing that they are in pretty bad shape and so we can imagine that if they are in bad shape and it just seems like almost everyone who comes through here is in bad shape, that possibly means that when I look in the mirror I'm going to be as in bad shape as they are and fair enough, usually by the time we get to look in the mirror, sure enough, we, we start seeing ourselves for what we really are. But at this stage we don't understand that it's the emotions that created that. So we don't understand much at all and we, we only understand what we're asked. So if you ask about it, you'll be told. But if you don't ask, often you're not told because everything is based upon the law of desire. So anyway, I pass, I've gone into this state, I now recognise where I am and I'm in a pretty dark state and what happens is my soul now feels a drawer of attraction to not be there anymore and I actually go to a location in the spirit world that perfectly matches my condition of love. So if I'm a murderer and I've passed, obviously my condition of love isn't going to be too great and the soul will be attracted to a condition in one of the hells that matches my condition of love. By the way, where do you think all the other murderers are? In the same place. So now instead of being surrounded by people who are nice and I'm the murderer, I'm surrounded by all the murderers. Does that make sense? And that's a way of exposing to me my condition. Now, let's say I was a person on earth who, you know, had a lot of sexual affairs, you know, over and over and over again and I haven't worked through that emotion. Well, I'll be attracted to a group of people in the spirit world who have done the same thing. And that'll be in one of the hills in a different location. And there's literally millions of locations for every single single emotional injury you could conceive of. I, if I'm in a bit better condition, I've worked through different things on earth, then I'll pass wherever, whatever sphere matches my location. So, so matches my development in love. So if I'm highly developed in love when I pass, then I'll be in a space that's in, not in the hills, it might be even in the second sphere or the third sphere of the spirit world. Historically, there's been 
Only a few people ever that's passed into the third sphere of the spirit world. What about um, people who commit suicide? Is there any consequences for that? Yes, a person who commits suicide is, is acting on two primary emotions. And after I answer this question, we should have a break and then we can come back to your question, Peter, if we, after the break. The, the, the um, two sets of emotions are these. The person who's suicide, firstly, has a whole set of emotions about self-love. And self-love in itself is a huge issue on the planet, right? And self-love is one of the major causes or major reasons why the majority of people do not pass into the second sphere, but rather pass into the first sphere because of our lack of self-love, the way that we treat ourselves. Now, the suicide, usually suicides, for, again, there literally can be thousands of different reasons. And whatever the reason is, will, de- will determine, be determined by the soul condition of the person, and that will also determine the location that they arrive in the spirit world. But a suicide, because they have murdered their own body, will always arrive in a state in the spirit world in one of the darker places of the spirit world. Then what they will need to do is come to face to face to the fact of two issues that they face inside of themselves. The first one is why they felt they had the right to destroy their body. And the second one is what emotion or reason inside of them caused them to suicide. And they will have to face that emotion. Now, one of the main reasons why people suicide is because they don't want to face the emotion when they're alive. Does that make sense? They feel if they kill themselves, they won't have to feel the terrible feelings they're currently feeling. And that is not true. When they pass, they will have to feel the terrible feelings that they avoided when they were on earth just before they passed, and they'll have to feel one more terrible feeling. And that is the feeling that they murdered themselves and didn't have the right to do so. Right? And when I say the right, I don't mean they've got free will, they can do anything they want. What I mean is they will go through an emotion where they realise that the body that they had wasn't theirs to take away from themselves. It was created by God, just as their soul is, and, and of course it's impossible in the end to kill their soul. So in the end, the biggest emotions that a suicide faces is that they don't, is the same emotion that they faced when they were alive and didn't want to face it. And the biggest impediment to their progress in the spirit world is that they often still do not want to face the emotion when they pass. The same emotion that caused them to pass. And so for that reason, until they connect emotionally, they don't progress. As soon as they connect emotionally, they progress very rapidly generally. Right? So again, it gets back to when you connect with the emotions and work your way through the issues. You wanted to say more? I just wanted to say that um, many of us have similar emotions even though we don't take our own life. We exactly. spend our whole life um, doing things that actually damage our physical body and in avoidance of our emotions. Yes. So let's look at the emotions related to smoking, which is a slow suicide. Right? So, I'm now smoking, I'm paying somebody else, in fact, when you think of it logically, I'm paying someone else to slowly destroy my body and I'm a willing participant in that process. So, there has to be emotional reasons that are very close to a suicidal person's reasons for doing that. Does that make sense? So, many of us have emotions 
of suicide in us, we just don't act upon them. And when we pass, those emotions will be just as present in us as they were before we pass. So it always gets back to this one rule. Be open to passionately experience all of your own emotions, no matter what they are. And if you do that, you will always progress no matter what happens. So a suicide has just as much ability to progress as anyone else, but often can't because they have the same avoidance of as what caused them to suicide in the first place. Does that make sense? Yeah. And so we can help them here on earth a lot to work their way through those kind of emotions. And a lot of the ways we can do that is by dealing with our own emotions and showing them how to deal with theirs. It's very important to understand that all of these things are based around the laws of God that is the most loving way to actually help that person get out of that emotion. So remember, as Mary was showing earlier, the law of attraction pulls something into our life so that we deal with an emotion that will get us closer to God in the end. So let ourselves experience that. Does that make sense? Let ourselves do that. Thank you for listening. The website for this show is divinetruthpodcast.wordpress.com and you can find AJ and Mary's website at divinetruth.com. Their YouTube channels are Divine Truth and Divine Truth FAQ.